Praise the Lord. Amen. Have you been blessed so far? I tell you, we had a sweet service at, uh, I don't even have a tie on, I didn't have time. Uh, just a wonderful altar call and sweet service at Mason Creek this morning. And then to walk in here and hear this, bless God. I want to introduce two people. One is this young couple sitting right here on the front. This is Miss Evelyn. Would y'all stand? Evelyn Hines and her husband. Tonight at 6 o'clock, she portrays Corey Ten Boom, and she's going to be here with you. You do not want to miss tonight. 6 o'clock, you want to be here. Thank y'all so much for being a part of our service this morning. And then the, the special speaker. If you've been here any length of time, you know who Brother Herman Kramer is. He's starting 39 years in evangelism in January. Uh, I got tickled. We were at a retreat yesterday, and or it was Friday night, I guess it was, and one of, one of the men came up, Brother Herman, and said, to, do you still do revivals? And I mean, Herman looked at him like, what are you, did you just fall off a turnip truck or what? <laughs> he's still doing revivals, actively doing revivals, and uh, he's been a, a a regular fixture in my ministry since 1983. And uh, him and Judell are here with us today. I want you to give him a warm Woodland Hills welcome as we welcome Brother Herman today. What an honor, what a blessing to be here. It's always a joy, and I mean that sincerely from my heart. Our family, every time that we get out every Sunday morning, the first thing that Judell and my oldest daughter does is run home and they get on the iPad and they listen to the music from Woodland Hills. And uh, that's such a tremendous blessing to them. And, and uh, we uh, have always said that I think that y'all have one of the greatest music programs any church could ever have anywhere. Amen, that's right. I tell Brother Charles, of course, we're like uh, brothers. We're so close together in so many areas. And, and I tell him, I said, the best thing you have going for you is your staff. Because if you did not have your staff, brother, you would be nothing, let me tell you. When you're that, when you're that close to him, you can talk to him honestly, amen. I love Brother Charles. He's a dear, dear friend, but I love your staff. I told you, Dale, this morning, when I was getting dressed, I understand here at Woodland Hills, you got Charles on one side, Case on the other side, and I feel like the, bone, the bologna in between the two pieces right there. <laughs> but I am honored to be here, and thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, I thought about what to preach. I've always shared with you ever since I've always been here. I, use, I always try to teach or preach from the heart. I want to share something that God has done with me because I feel like that if God hasn't done it to me, then I certainly cannot expect God to do it to you. And this passage of scripture that I'm going to use today, I would be willing to say that you could give it to any preacher here today and every one of them would go into a different direction with this story. But today I want to share this story with you as God has shared it with me in my own personal life. As a matter of fact, at the end of November is usually the time that I can kind of get to the place that I can just kind of sigh and sit back and relax for a month before we start a new year, tie everything together, put a bow on it, and think, boy, the year has passed, now we can wait for a new year. But God reminded me in prayer that's the way a lot of people are. That's the way a lot of churches are. In our life, we get to a place in our life that we become uh, 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 to the 
place that we think that we can just sit back and relax and the thing that we neglect the most is the things of God. And I want to share that with you today. So if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn with me to the book of John. John in the fourth chapter, and this is familiar passage, but I pray that God will speak to you as he has to me in my own personal life. It's about this woman at the well. Here was a woman that was, had a thirsty heart. She was seeking, but she did not know what she was seeking. And so today I want you to look with me, if you will, beginning in verse 1. We'll just read just a few verses together, but the Bible says in verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how that the Pharisees had heard how that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again into Galilee, and he must need to go through Samaria. And there cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sagar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Uh, and Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being weary with his journey, sat there upon the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me the drink, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knew the gift of God, who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And where then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to drink. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman said unto him, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and thou sayest truly. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, I would be willing to say that most of us in this room today is very, very familiar with this passage of Scripture about the woman at the well. But I want to take it in the context of where I am, and I pray that I can apply it to maybe, could be, where you are and where many churches are today. Because, you see, as I come to December, as a matter of fact, to an evangelist, he doesn't stay very busy during the December at all. As a matter of fact, most churches have Christmas programs, different activities going on, and so most evangelists just block out the month of December totally. And that's all right. I always look forward to that. But there's a danger in that as well. The same danger that many of us that's here today face, many churches today face in their life. After 38 years in evangelism, I have seen a trend in churches. And that trend can so easily be moved over into my own personal life and into your life. So what is it about this story that we can look at? 
There's several things here in this passage of Scripture. The first thing that I want us to look at simply is this, the danger of complacency. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever gotten to that place that you just kind of just kind of sigh and relief and say, man, you know what? I can just sit down for a while. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to travel any more miles. I don't have to preach any more sermons. I can just sit and do nothing. But you see, that's not Jesus. I want you to notice something about this passage. Notice in this passage, verses 1 through 4 deals with this. The Bible said that word had gotten out that there were people that were being baptized. As a matter of fact, Jesus was baptizing more people than John. Even though Jesus, the Bible said, didn't baptize at all, only his disciples. But I want you to notice this. As good as that was, Jesus still saw in that moment there was a need to leave there and go down to Samaritan because there was a woman there without a shadow of a doubt that I knew that I believe that Jesus knew that needed that living water. You know, sometimes we can become comfortable where we are and we neglect seeing the needs of those people around us. Did you notice something? Jesus left the multitude for the one, for the one. Yeah. And boy, that's so easy sometimes to miss in our own life. The importance of every single person around us, even in the month of December, when you and I are gathered around crowds to realize that some way, somehow, that not every person in that crowd is important. They are important to God. No matter who they are, they're all important to God. Amen. But you see, I find that it's easy to fall into that place of becoming satisfied where we are. Just kind of letting go and say, listen, you know, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm just going to rest, I'm not going to do anything. But do you know that I believe that December is one of the greatest months for evangelism? Yeah. I believe that we have an opportunity during the month of December is to share with the world what the real meaning of Christmas is all about, that it's not about decorations, it's not about lights, it's not about parties, but it's about a person that was born in a manger, yeah. one that emptied himself out of heaven to come upon this world in order to die upon a cross, in order that you and I could be saved. What a great opportunity to share with the world. Yeah. But you know, many times we get so caught up where we are that we forget about the needs of those around us. Now, the Bible said Jesus saw a need to go down there. Now, my friend, that wasn't the only way to go. As a matter of fact, he could have went by the coast, he could have went up by the mountain, but he saw a specific need to go this way. And I believe that God puts people in all of our lives, no matter who we are, that we have an opportunity to minister to, that there is a need for you and I to be where God wants us to be to meet those needs. I've preached this message many times, that the well and the, and the woman going to the well represented the world and people in this world, that the well, she went to draw water with her bucket. And out of that bucket, she thought that she would find that which she was wanting to find, but it never gave her what she needed. It never gave her that everlasting hope. It never gave, us, gave her that eternal life. She kept going back and going back. And today there's a world of people today that are just like that. 
They go back to that well and they go back to that well and they go back to that well and what they find is that no matter how many times they drop their bucket, they never come up with what they're looking for. There is no peace apart from the Prince of Peace. Amen? So don't become so comfortable of where we are that we miss the opportunity. You see, just because we're not preaching a meeting, just because we're not traveling a mile, God reminded me that every single day God puts people into my life, whether wherever I am, that still need Jesus. Every person is important to him. The second thing that I see about this passage is not only did Jesus not become comfortable where he was that he neglected the one, but the second thing that I see in this passage of Scripture is simply this, is that there is a danger of tradition, of tradition, especially unbiblical traditions. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible said that Jesus spoke to this woman. Now, you realize what the woman said. Look at verse 9. She then said the woman of Samaritan to him. Listen to what she said. She said, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which is my woman of Samaritan? For the Jews have no demons with the Samaritans. But notice what his disciples says in verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why Talkest thou with her? Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus moved out of the comfort zone and did something that most people would have said, no, you shouldn't be doing this. No man talked to a Samaritan woman. Isn't it amazing, my friend, how that we can be caught, get so caught up in tradition that we miss the real meaning of what Christianity is all about? You see, what Jesus was simply saying in this passage of scripture was here. He said, you may not believe it's right, but the father believes it's right. And I would rather obey the father than I would obeying you. You may not think I ought to talk to her, but the father thinks I need to talk to her. So I'm talking to the woman. Amen. Amen. But tradition, tradition, isn't it amazing how tradition has such an effect upon our life, especially during this time of year? I mean, everywhere you go, decorations are up. People are putting up decorations on their houses, out in their yards, churches are decorated and all of that. But folks, I want to tell you something. It's easy to get so caught up in tradition that we miss the real meaning of what it's all about. Traditions. We not only do it individually, but many times we do it collectively. I said a moment ago that in 38 years I've learned something, and here are some things that all of us know. You know the famous last words of most Baptist churches? Here's what they were. We've never done it that way before. I mean, isn't that amazing? That we would say we've never done it that way before, but we fail to realize that everything we do, somebody had to do it the first time, and it's no reason that God may not be moving us to do something different. Amen? But boy, that will split a church real quick. We've never done it that way before. Here's the second one. How much is that going to cost? Boy, isn't that a good one? I mean, like we need to check in to see if God's got any money in the bank. Amen? Because God may be broke and we may not be able to accomplish what we think we ought to accomplish because maybe God can't provide. Isn't that amazing? Folks, the truth of the matter is everything that you have and I have, God owns. Amen. We're only a steward. It's not a matter of whether what something costs. It's only a matter of whether God's in it. But that stopped a lot of, of, of work. Just traditions of saying 
what does that cost? But here's some that moves a little closer. Now let's just pick on the music people for just a moment. Have you ever noticed that in churches when courses came in, remember that? Oh, brother, I mean, we can't sing courses. I mean, we've been singing out of the songbook all these years. I mean, this is not, not to do, you know? And music people had to deal with that. Cooperate courses into worship. But that was a great battle as well. But then if that wasn't enough, music people had to do with instruments. Remember that? I mean, we began to bring instruments into the church. They said, wow, you know, we're not a honky-tonk band. We don't need guitars. We don't need drums. You know, we don't want instruments in the church. Why? Because we were settled in tradition. And then all of a sudden the screens come up. That's been the latest one that I've seen in a lot of churches today. They said, look, we're not movie theaters. We don't need screens in our church. We can read it in a book if we want to look at it in a book, but certainly don't put screens all around the church because now we're beginning to look like a movie theater. Isn't that amazing? But tradition, we've never had them before. We've never had instruments before. We never had courses before. But we were so locked into tradition that it became a problem in many people's lives. But folks, doesn't that move to our personal life as well? When we come to December, we get so wrapped up in gifts and packages and shopping and lights that we forget about the real meaning of Christmas and what it's all about. And you see, what God was simply saying to me was, don't get so caught up in the tradition that you lose the real meaning of what December's all about. See, that's where a lot of churches got in trouble. They got their eyes off of the Lord and begin to look at tradition, what they had always done. Even though that God may have been moving them into a new direction to do new things, they were locked in and they couldn't see what God wanted to do. The third thing that I see in this passage of Scripture is simply this, not to become satisfied, not to become so in ground in tradition that I miss the real meaning of what this month is all about, but also about ignorance. You say, what's ignorance have to do with the story? Well, you miss it in this one verse, verse 22. Notice what he says in verse 2. Jesus is speaking, and notice what he says in verse 22. You worship, you know not what. But we know what we worship. Wow. Ignorance. What does Christmas really mean? What is the true meaning of Christmas all about? Folks, I want to tell you, we have the greatest opportunity. Every pastor in this country has the greatest opportunity during this month than any other time. Because you know why? More people will attend church during this time than any other time. But you know what we have in our churches? We got people that know all about God. Come on. 
but they don't know God through a personal relationship. They worship, but they don't know what they worship because they have never met the true living Savior that came, that was born in a manger. Ignorance. Did you know that most Christians don't even know what they believe? It's amazing. It's amazing. I'll give you a little test. Just try it. Ask people, say, are you a Christian? And what's the answers you get? You'll hear some say, well, I, I'm a Baptist. Isn't that a great one? Or they'll say, I'm a Methodist or I'm a Assembly or I'm in a denomination. They'll, they'll name some denomination. My friend, you can have every denomination that you want hanging on you. But here's something you need to remember. When you die, that denomination is going to fall off going up or burn off going down. Because once you die, it won't matter what denomination you are. Amen? Amen. You're not going to get to heaven because you're a Baptist. Well, I'm a good person. My friend, you can't get to heaven because you're good. The Bible says our very best is filthy rags in the presence of God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're not going to get there by your goodness. Well, I'm wealthy. Jesus said, what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world? But yet loses his soul. You're not going to get there because you're wealthy. You're only going to get there through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, we have lost that in our churches today. We have some way somehow believed in our churches that bigger numbers is more important, greater budgets is greater than, 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 than the year before. But the truth of the matter is people's souls are the most important things in our churches today. But people are ignorant to the Word of God. That's why I've always said, I believe in Sunday school. I believe in training. I believe in group studies. I believe in family devotions. I believe that a person needs to know what they believe. And so he says, know what it means. Know what this, this month means. And then lastly, there's that, that danger of sin that we have to deal with. Have you ever had to deal with that? Folks, I pray that we all have to. I pray that every single one of us, we have to deal with it daily in our life. Sin. Notice in this story, it's the greatness of this story about a woman that was going to the well, drawing water that would never satisfy, meets this man that knew all about her and gave her living water that literally changed her life. And not only her life, but many others as she went and told the story. But here's that one thing that we leave out. Jesus confronted her about her sin. He confronted her about her sin. He said, go and call your husband. She said, I ain't got one. He said, you say rightly that you've had five and the one you're living with is not your husband. But he confronted her. See, folks, here's the problem. Here's the problem in my life. Now, my friend, you want to be religious and you want to, you want to be just, just holier than now, you go ahead. But here's the problem in my life is that many times in our life, we don't want to deal with sin. 
We want to talk to God about everything else. We want to talk to God about how great he is. We want to talk about, oh, God, December is marvelous that you came. We worship you, God. And then all of a sudden, God says, yeah, but let's talk about that sin in your life. Well, God, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk just about you. God said, no, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about what's wrong with you in order to make you right with me so that we can have the fellowship that I intended you to have. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. My friend, I want to tell you, Brother Charles knows my heart. You want to build a big church, you want to build a mega church, just don't talk about sin. Don't talk about sin. Just tell people what they want to hear. Now, folks, I want to tell you, before Jesus could give her the living water, he had to deal with the sin right. in her life. There has, to be, there has to be repentance. There has to be a confronting of that which is standing between us and God. And I've said so many times in so many revivals, and I talk about it in my own life. Let's be real this morning. In many of our lives, we love our sin more than we love our God. Well, we say, God, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. God said, well, let's deal with this. Well, God, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. No, God said, let's deal with this. No, God, let's deal with this. And we'll try to avoid trying to deal with what God wants us to deal with simply because we love our sin more than we love our God. But sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be dealt with. You see, a person cannot be saved until, first of all, they know that they're lost. And a person cannot know that they're lost until they know that what the wages of lostness is. And the wages of lostness is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you've got to know that sin has to be dealt with in order to be saved. And my friend, I've often said to Christians that sin doesn't kill your, 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 your relationship with God, but sin kills your fellowship with God. Boy, this is not a time of the year that we go into a time of season of rejoicement with broken fellowship with God. So my question to you today is the same question I had to ask myself. What about this month of December? Will I just be satisfied to sit back and do nothing when there's a still a world around me? Judell and I went to, 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 to Office Depot and we met a, a, a sweet little black girl that was waiting on us the other day. And God just reminded me, he said, you know what? She's precious. She's precious in my sight. Whether it's the little girl at Home Depot, Office Depot, or whether it's the woman at the Walmart, or whether it's the man at the service station, at this month, you and I will incur people all around us, and those may be the very people that God put into our path in order that you and I can share the gospel with. What will we do with this December? Will we be so satisfied and so comfortable where we are that we forget about the importance of that one that is still lost? Will we be so caught up in our tradition worrying more about the packages that we're going to buy for our family, our kids and our grandkids, that we miss the real meaning of Christmas. And many times, after Christmas, be more in debt than we could have ever afforded to have been in debt. But we lost the meaning of what Christmas was about. 
We've created a generation of people with their hands out. Kids and grandkids are looking for gifts when the true gift it can only be found in a manger in the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that you could give your family, the greatest gift that you could give your children, your grandchildren is Jesus Christ. Don't miss what it's all about. Don't be ignorant to what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. It's not about glamour. It's not about lights. It's not about gifts. But the real meaning of Christmas is that a Savior came to be born in order to die, to be buried, but rose the third day so that he could live in your heart, in my heart. That's the meaning of Christmas. And lastly, don't allow what's standing between you and God separate your fellowship with him during this season. Amen? I don't know where you are today. This probably be not my last message. It'd be my last message before Christmas. But maybe you're here today and you don't have that personal relationship. I want to offer you the greatest gift that this world will ever know. And that's that living water that only Jesus can give. You've got that bucket in your hand. You've gone to that well time after time after time again. But what you're truly seeking, there's only one that can give, and that's Jesus. And today, if you're here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I want you to know that nobody loves you more than what he loves you. He was willing to leave the multitude. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that he emptied himself out of heaven to come to this world just for you and for me. He loves you today. But your sins have separated you from him. And maybe today what you need to simply do is say, Lord, I'm the sinner. You're the Savior. And I want to invite you into my heart to forgive me of my sins. And I'm willing to repent of those sins. I'm willing to confess that I'm a sinner and ask you to forgive me and give me eternal life. And I don't care who you are here today. And this message could have went on all day. But my friend, listen, I believe one of the very reasons that he went to meet that woman, that he was saying to that woman, that I don't care where you are or who you are, you are important to God. And I want to say to you that you're important to God. So if you're the only one here today, don't have that personal relationship. I want to invite you to accept that. Maybe today you just want to come and just simply rededicate your life and say, you know, maybe I'm not where I need to be, but I want to be. And maybe I just don't want to go into this season uh, and, and not be what God wants me to be. And, and maybe today you need to rededicate your life and, and come today and do that. Maybe today you need a church home. It's already been mentioned when Brother Case mentioned a moment ago that you may need some information about this church, but some of you already got enough information. You just need to join this church. You know, I love Brother Charles, and I talked to him about him at the very beginning. But I told Brother Charles, I said, Charles, if I was anywhere near here, I would join your church in a heartbeat. He always said, well, Brother Herman, you can join it anyway. I said, no, Brother Troy, and he knows me. I said, no, I see evangelists, they join a church and they're a thousand miles away from that church. I said, I've never understood that. I believe you belong, need to belong to the church where you live. I really do. I believe that you need to be personally involved in that church. But some of you, God has led you into this place. God has brought you to this place at this time in order that you could be used of God right here. And maybe you need to make that step today and say, you know, Woodland Hills, this is where God wants me. This is where God wants me to be planned. This is where I need to be active. And today, I want to become a member of this church. I want to tell you, that would be, that'd be the greatest gift that this church would receive today 
is for you to become a part of their family. So I don't know what your need is today, but I pray that you'll let God speak to your heart and respond to his word. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the simplicity of it. And God, just thank you for the Lord, the way that you speak to me, God. And I, I pray that God, that people gleam off of that and realize that maybe there was some truth that would apply to their life. God, it's easy for me to become satisfied, complacent. God, to just want to sit back this month and relax and just simply say, I've done a great, great job this, this year and went a lot of places and preached a lot of sermons. But, you know, I'm just going to take it easy. But God, to, today, even on the way home, there'll be somebody that you'll put in my path that needs you. And so, Lord, don't ever let me get to that place. And so, Lord, I pray today that if there's somebody here that needs Jesus, that they would come. Somebody that needs to rededicate their life. Somebody that needs a church home. God, may they come today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand, Brother Charles will be here. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, His name is called Emmanuel.
God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here's what's happening this week at Woodland Hills. Tonight at five o'clock, if you are on church council, we will have a meeting in the fellowship hall. Please make plans to attend. Following our evening service at seven o'clock, we will have a church-wide town hall meeting. The, the message that she brings is one of, of hope, of love, of overcoming, a survival. You go away encouraged that, you know, God helped Corey through this. He could, he could help me. Imagine that. Friday night at 6 o'clock is our adult game night. It will be in the Grand Hall. Bring a snack to share and come ready to have a great time. Don't forget, next Sunday night, December the 9th, is our Life Group Connect Christmas parties. All preschool, children, and youth will be meeting at the church. Contact your Life Group leader to find out where your Life Group is meeting for their Christmas party. And coming up right around the corner, Hills Praise Choir presents a Purple Hole Christmas featuring Hills Praise and the Purple Hole Band. This is going to be a great night together. Come on December 16th at 6 o'clock and bring a friend. This year we will have a special candlelight and Lord's Supper service on December 23rd during our morning worship service. Come and let's worship our King of Kings and Lord of Lords together on that day. Hey, thanks for being here today. Make sure to check your bulletin for the rest of our weekly announcements. We hope you have a blessed day. Lord, uh, let me just add a couple to that. We leave Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, going to Prestonwood for a 2 or 2.30. I forgot what it is. Their Christmas program. I think there are either three or four tickets left, period. So if you're interested in going to that, call the church office and then get you lined up. And then I, I'd make a great Christmas present. The time to sign up for the cruise is over, uh, but there are still rooms available. If you want to go on a cruise with us in February, February 17th through 24th, uh, sign up. That'll make a great Christmas present. You see everything else. Remember tonight, 6 o'clock, do not miss. It's going to be great. Uh, you do not want to miss that. And then uh, uh, we had a... Uh, young lady, Denise, where are you at? Right here. Amanda, uh, she's very faithful in our CR every Monday night. Her house burnt down yesterday morning. She's got two kids and a mother that lives with her. Red Cross came in, put them in a hotel last night. I'm going to ask Denise to take this offering plate here. And uh, I, I tell you what we're going to do. Uh, she's going to be back at the back. If you'd like to give toward that, do that. And here's my instructions. Denise, 
you're in charge of everything. <laughs> uh, guys, when somebody's house burns down like that, there'll be other people that'll be helping, and I want to just make sure that the money you give goes to really help this family. They're, she's a hard worker. She's minimum income, uh, but she raised her two kids. She's very faithful, and, and I, I want us to be a part of that. So if you want to give to that, offering seed Denise right there, and then she'll make sure some of it needs to go to rent, some of it needs to go to food, some of it needs to go to clothes or whatever. Uh, and uh, where, where is... Uh, uh, they're also getting clothes, right? Uh, sizes. Y'all are doing that too, so we can help with that also. All right? And then I want to encourage you. I saw this on Facebook, and I liked it. Uh, if you started yesterday reading one chapter of the book of Luke, by Christmas Eve, you would be through the 24 chapters of the book of Luke, and that would prepare you for Christmas morning. Now, yesterday's gone, but you can either read two chapters tonight, or you can read one tonight and then finish up Christmas Day. But to get the whole story of Jesus, Luke 1 through 24, to prepare you for Christmas. I encourage you to do that with us. It's going to be a great, great time, okay? And then this morning we want to welcome Ron and Brandy England. Come if y'all would.